Dan. Hi. Mm. How's it going? Good. I don't think the number of titles I had to discuss was ever more inversely proportionate to how prepared or eager <laughs> I discussed. Did, uh, we, did you end up publishing the last episode? No, I didn't. <laughs> I should have probably had a conversation with you about that. I didn't do it because I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't like anything I said. I just thought maybe it was really bad. It was really bad. I was really bad. <laughs> so your one solo review was uh, thrown out with the bathwater. I still have it. I, it could be the I forget episode. what I even talked about. A mouthful of air. Oh, that's okay. That was so yeah. depressing. I had nothing but bad takes. And then the things I was enthusiastic about, you were not. So it was just kind of one of our <laughs> least successful episodes. <laughs> um. What were the movies? But it was last night in Soho that I was last. Last night in Soho, confused. and you were kind of meh. Uh, and uh, what else was it? It was Eternals, which I was. Oh yeah. On. I didn't really care about that one. It wasn't but, the uh, Dune up. Ep- it wasn't the Dune episode though. We got to talk about Dune, right? Yeah, right. That was two shows ago. Dune. Okay. Dune right. and Halloween Kills were. Okay. I think two episodes ago. French Dispatch, I did you ever catch up with that? I never got there. I still have it on my list. I do want to see it. It just has taken low place because all of a sudden there's so many things. Yeah. There's a lot of things. I have seen well, I've seen twelve movies since our last time, Mm. but I have seven new releases. So I a lot of the other ones are just catching up with random horror movies and stuff. But uh seven titles. Spencer. The Harder They Fall, Passing, Belfast, Home Sweet Home Alone, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and King Richard. All right. Well, there are two of those that I think we can be brief about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can be super brief about Home Sweet Home Alone. It sucks. Uh, (laughs) It has cool cool people in it. I was, it's got, uh, I think her name is pronounced Aisling, Aisling? Ashling B. I don't know. She's cool. If you know who she is, she's an Irish actress. And Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper. And uh, but it's not good. It's but I here's the thing. I had heard Rob Delaney on like a Good Morning America or something, and he's his pitch was, oh, these are two hip young writers from Saturday Night Live who had a pitch. They had a they had a great new take on Home Alone. And so I read the script and it was amazing. And oh boy, what a convoluted stinker. What a, a weird I mean, whatever. It's Home Alone, so it's not really. I mean, Home Alone is like a it. classic property. That I like the like, original because it's Home Alone. Yeah. It would be terrible, but right. Yeah, it seems like they could do. I mean, it is just kind of one story, though. It's a very weird take on it. This new one because the villains are not villains, and the little boy is kind of a. He's not a villain, but he's a real jerk. Uh-huh. And the 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 crooks that try to break into his house are kind of sympathetic. It's Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper, and they're trying to get something back that they think he stole. So it's just convoluted. It has like I said, I think I said on Twitter that it has more plot than Inception, just to get to the the Home Alone part. <laughs> yeah, and so it was crazy. But yeah, it's no good. I didn't like it. Uh, and then Ghostbusters Afterlife is not for me. Uh, whatever. Do you have any Ghostbusters history? None. None. You, have you seen it? You I don't even really it. even know what it is. I don't know if the Ghostbusters are good or bad. So it's an I, 80s thing. It's Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray. It's just a, it's one in a line of 80s comedies with those guys. And this one happened to be a hit and have like this, this uh, whatever gimmick to it of catching ghosts. 
and the, the tech of it and the special effects kind of stayed in the zeitgeist and people remember it fondly. And so now they've made a bloated two and a half hour, you know, treacly uh, reboot where they treat everything from that original movie like it's some precious artifact. I think kids will actually like it and like the ghost busting stuff, but I just felt like it was something that had left me far behind. There's all sorts of things you could take your kids to. True. And if you need something for the kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they're aiming this one at the 40-year-old dudes who yeah. dress up like Ghostbusters at conventions and stuff. And, Do you think that I they're mean, gonna go? Do you think that they're into it? I th- well, here, here's the deal. Some of them who were re- remember Paul Feig's all-female reboot of Ghostbusters mm-hmm. in 2016. There yeah. was a huge like neckbeard backlash. Right. On that one. So I think there's a bunch of dudes that are just happy to see it back in back in dude hands, yeah, even though a young girl is the protagonist. She's actually the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I can give a major spoiler, I guess. Skip ahead a couple times on your podcast thing if you care about this, listeners. But uh, CGI ghost of Harold Ramis at the end of this movie who shows up and just smiles and nods because they can't have him talk because that would give away the uh, the effect. Mm-hmm. But uh Real bad. Okay. Um, okay. That part's bad. It's not a bad movie. It's fine. But that I thought was particularly egregious. All right. So there's two off the list. Um, Spencer. Yeah, let's talk about Spencer. Who wants to talk about Spencer? I don't mind doing it. I just need to call it up. No, I'll do it because okay. I've got it up here. Go and for you've it. been talking for a minute. Oh, my goodness. Uh, a minute so and Spencer, half. 2021 biographical psychological drama. That's a good description. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. directed by Pablo Lorraine and written by Stephen Knight. And of course, this is a fictional account of a moment in Princess Diana's life, a weekend over Christmas, a, a insufferable weekend <laughs> over Christmas where the royals go out to their country palace. And we know we've got Kristen Stewart playing princess diana i mean i lay my cards on the table i think this is just a wonderful performance yeah that uh awards are made of because she's the center of the movie and it's nuanced and it is uh sympathetic and it is just such a skilled performance and this isn't these aren't literal events they're just kind of inspired by things we maybe know about things that happen to princess diana dynamics that we think were at play between her and other royals as well as her with her um, fam- family members with William and with Harry. And they've just kind of created this very strange, surreal, funny, scary journey for you to go on to try to get inside her head and try to understand her mental and emotional and spiritual state. And that's not a lot of description, but I don't know that there's a lot to describe, um, except that I really pitch. loved it. Yeah. What would what, you think of it? Yeah, I think this movie's great. And I'm really surprised to see a lot of people kind of, I feel like I'm just out of sync with film Twitter and critical consensus mm-hmm. lately, because a lot of people are being snooty about this movie. And boy, I thought it was so effective. I felt it like I, I was in it emotionally mm-hmm. almost from the get-go it took I, I feel like when she opened her mouth for her first couple of lines I think there was even some like tittering in the theater like mm-hmm. people didn't had to get acclimate to the but I thought the performance was fantastic I just once I got swept up in it um I, I think I've I think I've said this before but I do much prefer 
this kind of a focused fictionalized mm -hmm. emotional biopic that just goes laser laser focused on one little moment or portion of someone's life rather than trying to shove it all in and have a big long epic and you know that it's all fake like in this one the it's almost like these fictional events feel more true than any attempt to to chronicle it would be right i agree with i really you. appreciate I agree with that. you completely I yeah, like the uh, the I like Sally Hawkins' turn as mm -hmm. Maggie, a royal dresser, yeah. who is sort of Diana's one trusted person on this weekend. Whereas she feels um, as if she's a prisoner um, in a cage. With Maggie, she can be herself. Yeah. I liked how they portrayed her with William and Harry. Um, that's Jack Nielsen. Yeah, it's delightful. And really, really nice. Lovely. And something that I thought Kristen Stewart did such a wonderful job at was getting Diana's vibe, like the way that she walks, like she had her gait and the way that she just sort of gives that um, observing long glance yeah. all over the place. There was something about the way she cast her eyes and moved her body that I thought was just so evocative of Diana while not doing an impression. Yeah. Yeah. She really doesn't look like her. No. But. It's just you. I you buy it. It's completely engrossing and and verisimilitudinous. Like you mm -hmm. just once you're in that world and that version of it. All right, this is Diana. This is the world. Um, I loved when the movie, like I think it's excellent all throughout. But I really it reached some heights toward the end when it gets more into the psychological. It it almost becomes mm -hmm. like Terrence Malicky. Mm. in the way that it plays with reality and time and is this in her mind and is this not in just in light ways just in very poetic like simple ways i don't know i was i haven't been this swept up really in filmmaking in a while i think i really really responded to this one yeah i loved everything i love the way the camera moved i love the clothes i love yeah. the set decoration i love how the landscapes looked just from beginning to end like you say i just enjoyed this movie and the time in the theater i think that um sean harris deserves mention plays mm -hmm. the head cook i suppose yeah. or whatever his title is he's amazing he is like i first saw him as the bad guy in the current uh mission impossible movies but he's in a, he does a lot more than that and he's king arthur in green knight mm. uh i just think he keeps doing interesting things and that was another you know nice sympathetic character for her a little respite mm -hmm. um and you know uh feels like a a precious rare thing uh, yeah, and and I, I did. I also liked the way that it portrayed just enough of the other famous royals, and invented just enough interaction, and mm -hmm. but not too much, including a couple moments with the queen. Also, very you know, very interesting portrayal of the queen, where you almost get the sense that she might secretly be the most sympathetic person to Diana's plight, but she can't really. I felt like that was an undercurrent. I don't know if I was reading that into it, but I felt like she was casting her little approving glances now and then. Yeah, she the queen was very mysterious, and I liked how they played that, um, played by Stella Gannett or Ganet, mm. and I really appreciated how you just see the queen's face looking stoic but knowing with her eyes, and there's some mystery in whether she approves or whether she's standing in judgment. And then yeah. I think she only really has that one scene speaking with Diana um, out on the in the back area mm -hmm. right. when she goes outside and it kind of maybe tip, tips the hand that maybe she 
I don't want to say she's on Diana's side because I don't feel like that's mm-hmm. the case. But I think that um, they want us to see the queen at least understanding where Diana's coming from, even if she can't ultimately offer her the help that she needs. Right. And she has the privilege, really, the queen, of not right. having to get sullied by any of that stuff. Right. So she just gets to waltz in and out. But yeah, you do get that sense that she's like, you'll be okay, which is a little foreboding right. in, in this case. I, right. I loved that a movie like this can stand alongside the crown mm-hmm. where the crown is more based in realism and it has so much nuance and detail because it's a long form series. And this is just a snippet and you feel like the two um, can, can live together. Yeah. And at this, and then at the same time they're doing different things. It doesn't feel like Diana overload. Yeah. And I, I love the ending. I won't say what happens at the very, very end, but I just love how it ends. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was perfect. I don't know. And I mean, there's there's two things. There's what was what they go and drive and do after they get away mm-hmm. from the Christmas weekend. And then there's also the, a shot of a scarecrow that I just thought was simple and obvious, but really great. Right. You almost wish that you could have the Tarantino ending mm-hmm. on a movie like this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Just rewrite it. And, right. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Boy, if we talk about all of them this long, it's we're going to be here all night. But I love it. Uh, no, I, I, I think that the, that is that and one other I have a lot to say about. Yeah, and I'm guessing it's Belfast. It's not. Oh, okay. Um, why don't we take down some of these others? The harder they fall. Did you catch up with that one? I did watch it. Why don't you okay. talk about it? Since I didn't pay close attention to the plot okay. as I watched it. Gotcha. Uh, so the harder they fall is a um, okay. I'm on the wrong Wikipedia page. It is not a 1956 American boxing film noir, <laughs> but that makes sense as a title for one. But it could be. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's a 2021 American revisionist Western film directed by James Samuel, who co-wrote the screenplay with Boaz Yakin. Yakin. The film stars Jonathan Majors, who's everywhere lately. Mm-hmm. He was in uh, last. He was in Last Man. In, last what in Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yep. And then Lovecraft Country, and a couple other movies I've seen recently. And here he is uh, in this film, Idris Elba. Uh, now, Zazy Beats is what I've been saying. I, I understand that's Zaji Bates or something like that. Really? Like I heard that she pronounces it very differently from the way it looks. Regina King, Delroy Lindo, mm-hmm. uh, Lakeith Stanfield, amazing cast. Yes. Uh, Dion Cole, Conan O'Brien comedy writer, Dion Cole. Uh, Eddie Gathegi, I don't know who that is, but that's probably, uh, oh yeah, it's that guy. He's cool. Kenyan-American actor. Uh, he was, um, I'm sorry, I'm looking at Wikipedia, so I don't have his, his character name, but I recognize his face. And uh, others. So this is kind of a, in one sense, this is a revisionist Western. It is a black Western. It's a little bit of, it's got anachronistic music. It's got a lot of mm-hmm. filmmaking style. It's got a modern sensibility, but it's not full on remix. I think it has its own reality. And also the filmmakers are are very clear that this is not just, wouldn't it be cool to put kind of a black culture Western together? This is an attempt to appreciate the fact that there were people of color. Uh, there were also indigenous people not really mm-hmm. depicted in this film, but there were many, many different uh, types of human beings in what we know, you know, uh, as the wild West. And so this is an attempt to kind of give a new take uh, with old cred on some of this material. And as such, I think that this film has a lot of cliche and a lot of, um, you know, I don't, it's, it's it gets a little silly and over the top, but boy, is it really entertaining! 
And so basically, uh, what's his name again? Jonathan Majors plays Nat Love, who is, uh, we meet him as a young boy in the opening moments of the film. Idris Elba comes to his home. Something tragic happens. And for the rest of the film, we're following Nat Love as he builds a gang of other outlaws to go uh, after the uh, character uh, Rufus Buck, played by Idris Elba. Uh, who himself has an interesting arc of, of being in prison, being sprung out by Regina King and Lakeith Stanfield. So there's the bad guy gang and there's the good guy gang. And then uh, they are going to inevitably clash in this Western town. Lakeith Stanfield is uh, a quick draw artist. And so is the other guy. I think that's who Eddie Kathegi is playing. Um, anyway, there's a lot going on in the movie. There's lots of little there's romance there's side characters there's uh some revelations at the end there's a, a funny sequence in a uh you know a white people bank uh, I, I thought this was entertaining uh over the top and silly but a lot of fun i had a good time with it what'd you think dan well you know me <laughs> and you know that if there is a movie about the music industry i don't want to see it i'm not interested at all Sure. And I feel similarly about Westerns. Uh, I, I, for whatever reason, that genre just does not unleash my imagination. It does not make me interested. And so th- that this movie had that against it. I am not the audience for this movie. That being said, what an embarrassment of riches as far as the cast goes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I don't know anything about this history as I'm even just looking at the page now to see all of their characters being real people Probably right, with interesting that, stories, yes. you know, a, a lot. It seems like a lot of these were real folks, and I don't know how much of their real stories they incorporated into this overall narrative. Yeah, I would maybe have rather seen a story about any one of their individual <laughs> stories mm-hmm. as a biopic, but that's not the movie this is. That being said, I loved how this movie looked. I liked yeah. the way the camera would zoom in in strange ways highlight in on you know i like the flames that were in an eyeball shot you know mm-hmm. looks clear as crystal and looks very contemporary for uh for a western as far as just how it looks i feel like westerns usually have a look that they're like old but this looked very fresh i loved the art direction like they'll go to the white town <laughs> you know it's right. and it's and it's delightful and then you contrast that with uh the other towns that are just so colorful in ways that you don't expect um, towns from the old west to look. Um, it's like when uh, Regina King is fighting with um, what are we saying now? Zizzy Bots. I know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we're just changing the vowels. Um, I'm gonna just say Zazi Beats because that's what I'm saying. Um, uh, Zizzy Zizzy Bates is what it says on on the Wikipedia Zizzy phonetic. Bates. Zizzy, right? Zizzy Bates. In fact, it's Zessi Zessi with an S sound. Zessi Bates. It doesn't oh, feel right. But... Okay, well, it's education, and I need to become practice. It's like when they oh. told us after he died that it's really pronounced Doctor Soyce. What did you no, hear that? Not. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Now it's whatever people say, and that's what it is. Soycicle, the moicicle. What are we doing? <laughs> Soycicle, the moicicle. All right, so let's just say Stagecoach Mary mm-hmm. and Trudy. Smith, um, they're having that fight, and there's just kind of like all those natural dyes and yeah, yeah. colorful things, and I, 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 I loved that. I yeah. loved all of that, all of those elements. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as from a craft perspective, a filmmaking perspective, acting perspective, top notch, just doesn't grab, doesn't grab my guts. Sure, I get that. 
Yeah. Um, perfect for Netflix kind of. A oh, movie. yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it would play best in a theater, but mm-hmm. um, just it feels at home with kind of the vibe of Netflix. I feel like I might have even liked it just a touch more had it not been Netflix, if I'm honest, even though I agree with mm-hmm. you that it's very, very much of that realm. Yeah. Um, because I think for some reason, I just go somewhere in my head when it's on Netflix mm-hmm. that it's like less prestige, less must right. see because I can watch it whenever. It just feels a little different than if yeah. I saw that my multiplex was playing this. Right. I know I better check it out because look at that cast. Right. And not that this happens that much anymore, but I do think it would also maybe play best as just a, a impromptu theatrical. I don't know yeah. what this is, but it looks yes. interesting. I think it would be a fun evening at the movies. Yeah, I think it just the movie looks so good. It would be great mm-hmm. on a big screen. All right. So that's the harder they fall. Um, well, what's next? I got passing. Yeah, let me let me talk about passing. How about? All right. All right so uh, it's twenty twenty one black and white drama film. Pardon the pun. Written and produced and directed by Rebecca Hall in her feature directorial debut, which I gotta say is impressive. Yes. And it's based on a nineteen twenty nine novel by Nella Larson, and it's talking about black folks who had skin light enough to be perceived as white. We call that passing, and it's starring. Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega. So these two characters go way back and their lives have taken different paths, but they encounter one another in this, what was it, a hotel restaurant or something? Mm -hmm. Tessa Thompson lives life as a black woman named, I can find that very quickly, Irene Redfield, Rini. And she has a husband and some kids, but she enters white spaces and i don't know what what we're supposed to get if she if she just needs to enter those spaces and she takes advantage a little bit um of her ability to enter them and anyway ruth nega tries to pass entirely as white her character claire married to a man who's a horrible racist played by alexander skarsgård and she has a child as well and no one in her world knows about her ancestry or her black identity. But Claire and Irene continue to see each other. Worlds collide until the inevitable um, tragedy that things are bound to become in a movie like this one. Um, what do you think of Passing? So, yeah, we messaged a little bit while I was watching it. I did, uh, I was in complete admiration of what I see as clearly an excellent piece of work. I'm really impressed that Rebecca Hall put this together. I did not know that she has a grandfather who uh, was African-American who passed Mm -hmm. for white. And um, all that said, I struggled a little bit to keep up with this movie. I was a Mm -hmm. little, it felt a little homeworky and a little boring. And I put that on myself. But there was also just something in the the feel of it, like from the very start. I didn't pick up on the fact that Tessa Thompson was kind of light passing, like sort of playing. I, I thought about that in, in hindsight, but in the beginning, I was just a little put off by some of the, the ADR and the way that sound and dialogue work in this film. I think these are all choices, and I think that it's all very interesting. But it I took me a while to get into the movie. I appreciated it. I liked uh, Andre Holland. I liked uh, Bill Camp, who shows up as uh, some intellectual white dude who likes to hang out in the black clubs. and um, But 
over I it was admiration and enjoyment and, and, and appreciation, but ultimately this movie did not grab me very hard. Yeah, I I think I liked it better than you did. I liked the vibe of it. I liked the black and white uh it wasn't noir necessarily, mm-hmm. but I liked the overwashed look i liked the music i liked the pace and hey i liked the performances these are two great actresses at the top of this i think that so much of it is reflection on the nature of blackness and whiteness that it is almost like a a play that's a little too intellectual and it's hard to get into it on an emotional level even though emotions loom large in the story i was listening to the awards daily podcast and they were bringing up um these two performances they, they weren't reviewing they're just talking about oscar chances and michael gray is one of their contributors and he is black and he was saying like in a lot of his uh black forums and what and whatever else he's drawing from he's saying the main problem with this movie is these two don't pass mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and he was like that might lead us to greater reflection as to is that purposeful and white folks um, didn't see blackness in the same way because they had so much less exposure to it that they didn't see what we would see today. Mm. Is that a comment that's intentional? Interesting, yeah. You know, um, but it's very unlikely that in our world that either of these two women would pass for right. white. And and is that a fundamental problem? And as I said, it's interesting because, as I said, I it had did not occur to me that Tessa Thompson was even attempting to pass in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just she's rich and this is where she hangs out. I did, because I think of Tessa Thompson as a person of color, right? So, um, yeah, and yeah, Ruth Ruth Nega. I guess I can. I, I I just went with it since that's the premise of the movie, and she certainly has a look that you know works in the movie. But um, yeah, I don't imagine that she would pass in our world. That either no, of them would. You, know. you would you would imagine and i mean they had to i felt like even the cinematography was whiting them out beyond recognition in some shots mm-hmm. to make that work mm-hmm. I, I could like the beginning when tessa thompson's going around she's completely covered her head is down she has that hat i i didn't know if she had to enter that space like there were errands mm-hmm. that were necessary but then she didn't need to go to that hotel but she decided to anyway Right. Um, there's something in her that wanted to live in that world. Um, and yet she wasn't playing games with her life. She knew, you know, she, she lived into who she was in the whole of her life as opposed to, um, Claire who did not. And then I had questions about Claire's motivations. Cause I know this is based on a, on a novel, so they don't have complete control over the story, but what is what is going on with Claire that you would allow your worlds to come so close to collision like that? Mm -hmm. Why was she consistently reaching out? Was she that desperate? Was she that um, homesick for the truth of who she was that she would put her whole life and world in jeopardy by continuing to reach out to Rini? Or was it an act of desperation? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I mean. Let's, let's veer into this. Yeah. And yeah. I like Alexander Skarsgård a lot. I feel like his character was, I mean, I don't want to say over the, I've learned my lesson just in modern history that there's no, it's not, I don't think it's possible to have a, a white character, you know, in a period piece or even a modern piece who's too over the top for being very racist. Mm-hmm. I just mean for the tone of the movie, 
he certainly was very, you know, rabidly uh, will in his short screen time willing to just tell you how racist he was. Yeah, it and seemed I, like that became the topic of the conversation immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, right. is there nothing else to say except, oh, you've just met me. I want to make sure you know how racist I am. Right. And I'm totally fine with this movie uh, have it, you know, being grounded in those black spaces and it yeah. doesn't owe me to develop its white characters too for balance or no, this is a movie about, you know, certain specific experiences, but his character is important to the direction of the movie and having him be just kind of a very cartoony guy didn't help, I guess, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's a whole thing that I don't know. And in that way, the story is not for me. Right. Um, of, what passing has meant and how much it has been a denial of your humanity and how much it has been um, a a treacherous thing within the black community, particularly, but in other um, ethnic communities. Yeah. And yeah, so I I was real mixed on this. There was stuff about it that I really loved Mm -hmm. and then stuff that I think like you just didn't grab me and felt a little tiresome. Yeah. All right, we have Belfast and King Richard. Which one do you think we uh, save for last? Um, it's up to you. Um, can I talk about Belfast? Sure. All right. So Belfast is a new film, a 2021 coming-of-age comedy drama film written and directed by Kenneth Branagh, uh, which I thought was a red flag, and boy, was I wrong. The film stars, uh, oh boy, these names. Uh, well, just her, just Balfi. Catriona? Uh, Catriona? I bet it oh, has you know what it is? It's I, I just had this thing on another podcast. It's Katrina Balf. Katrina Balf. Okay, there you go. Yep. Uh, Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench, Jamie Dornan, uh, Siren Hines, Colin Morgan, and newcomer Jude Hill as uh, Buddy. That's his name, right? And uh, this is, uh, yeah, like it says, a coming-of-age comedy drama. It feels like a fictionalized memoir of uh, growing up in uh, Northern Ireland during the Troubles in the 1950s. And uh, it's shot in black and white. It features a lot of, you know, it's a very, this this description is not going to do justice to a movie that I'm going to heap a lot of praise on, but it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a caricatured, uh, cutesy little episodic, memoir of what it was like to live and the crazy neighbors and then some scary things happen and you learn you know you test your metal through these times and what it's like being a kid and he's hearing your parents fight and are we going to have to move away is it too dangerous here and uh you got the cute old people you have going to church and getting scared by the preacher i thought that there was this was almost too cute at times this Mm -hmm. movie but as a whole package i found it delightful and i really had a great time with it as I say, seeing that it was written and directed by Kenneth Branagh, I really anticipated something long and over serious and you know, important and epic or whatever, like a complete chronicle of the troubles or whatever. And you just get a very sweet 90, 100 minute uh, little uh, kind of pastiche of memories. And uh, I thought it was really great for what it is. And I had a, a, a really wonderful time with it. Yeah, I did too. I went into it thinking it's going to be too much. I mean, Hey, the, the accolades that it's getting, and it is far and away the, the front runner for best pick at this point. That's, Mm. 
just at the top of everyone's list. Who knows how that shakes down? But I figured people wouldn't like it this much if it's boring or heavy. Um, And indeed, it's not. It is mercifully 90 minutes. And yet they're able to and yet Brandon was able to pack in just a lot of heart and little snippets of history such that I went back and read a little bit more about the troubles because I didn't really know what was happening. But I really appreciated that he didn't get bogged down in explaining that in the story just enough so that you see how it threatened the life of the child um, and how it affected his life. I appreciated how nothing particularly bad happened to the main group, right? <laughs> like stuff like that. You just imagine it's going to be a, a, a fest of depression and worse and worse things happen. Right, right. But there I is kept still, waiting for the turn. Yeah, right. And yet there's so really much bad. joy that happens. There's so much warmth and and care within that family. And I, I just appreciate that. You feel good watching this movie. And and yeah, I, I don't know that I have a lot more to say than this. I mm-hmm. think it was smart to do the black and white. I loved how there's the splashes of color whenever we're watching some kind of a performance that turns yeah, to color, yeah, yeah. which is interesting. And then what what do you make of the uh, prologue and epilogue pans, right? Yeah. Is that like a hint as to what happened to the family? I don't know. Because where, where where did those take place? Like it looked yeah. like a port city. Like I wondered if it was like Vancouver or. Mm. Oh, I thought it was just this is Belfast today, oh. and this film is a gift for Belfast. I yeah, I wasn't. It was like... I wasn't sure. Like if there was meaning in those shots mm. that that were somewhere else in the beginning and end. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't. Uh, I that was just my assumption, but I could absolutely. Yeah, I did. I didn't know either. Mm. I do. Yeah. Last thing I'll say about it is I, I think that the reason that this turned out better than either of us might have feared it might have been worse was that it the decision was clearly to be a child's eye yeah. experience. And I, and that's why, you know, movies and performances and church is really scary. And right. Like yeah. those things might be ridiculous if it was a film that was trying to tell you that this is how it was. But clearly it's, you know, and, and every fight where uh Katrina Balf and Jamie Dornan are are arguing you you see buddy in the frame listening like everything is the kid's perspective yeah. everything is scary the way it's scary to a kid so i think that was a genius stroke that makes this cute little movie work really well right all right uh dan won't you tell me about richard uh, king richard <laughs> sure <laughs> king richard and even though i brought this up for us to uh talk about this time mm-hmm. i set my alarm for 7 a.m <laughs> to oh, no. watch it this morning because <laughs> i ran out of time <laughs> i watched the last hour a couple hours ago so oh, I'm okay pretty good fresh with this one too so it might just be because it is fresh in my mind but i think this was my favorite movie of all the ones we're talking about oh today, wow frankly um so king richard it's a 2021 american biodrama film directed by Reynaldo marcus screen written by Zach Balin, and it follows the life of Richard Williams, father and coach of Venus and Serena. And Will Smith, of course, stars in the title role, and we see Richard, when has this taken place? Late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, that's um, the vibe. That in those right. years. And you see the the uh, Williams household. They uh, live in the small house, and like side note here, late stage capitalism problems that I was like, 
watching that, like what's supposed to be like the world they need to escape and being like, oh God, I dream of that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, right. I want, I want that house. Look at those, mm-hmm. look at those baseboards. Right, right. <laughs> and they're all trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hey, this is a movie movie. This to me harkens back to like a nineties style where you're supposed to fall in love with uh, Richard Williams, you're supposed to fall in love with the whole family. And it, definitely skews towards seeing him in a positive light mm-hmm. how he put his kids well-being above everything while also pushing them really hard and i think there's probably uh, a few different versions of how that actually right. went down but i i liked that his character had such a big dream a really impossible dream and had it not come true he would have been like what don quixote um right. tilton at the windmill but since it actually came true, you just kind of celebrate how right he was and how and how he insisted on doing right by his daughters, not just taking the first thing that was ever offered, always mm-hmm. insisting on more for himself and for them. And if you want to look at this as a parable of life, I found that kind of inspiring that sometimes we just beg and feel desperate and work away for whatever scraps rather than deciding what it is we really want, what it is we really want to work for and insisting on, on good things for ourselves and the people that we care about. Yeah. So I liked this movie a lot. I liked the tennis sequences and you know, I'm not into sports stuff so much. I'll do mm-hmm. sports before music and Westerns, mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> but I found that I found those sequences super compelling um, I liked the uh, side characters. Uh, shout out to Anjanu Ellis playing mm-hmm. um, Will Smith's wife. Will Smith, of course, is great. I mean, I feel like I don't need to say that. Right. He's a best actor front runner. I don't see who can topple him at this mm-hmm. point. He's got the exact right narrative and trajectory, you know, likability of part and of person and of movie. Um, that'll yeah. feel good to everyone, especially after last year. Um. And the and the girls do great too. Um, mm-hmm. Sonia Sidney and Demi Singleton playing Venus and Serena. Um, I, I don't know. It, it looked like good tennis. I don't know if they're really tennis players. I didn't do right. that research. Um, but what a world the world of professional tennis is. I feel like I learned a little bit about how people get into it, and it just seems like hell on earth. Yeah. Those all those disgusting white spaces. Right. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things you know, like when that. Uh, oh, here's something. Sorry, mm-hmm. you you talk first. I've been talking a lot. No, that's all right. Um, yeah, I, my heart is resistant to big, treacly mm-hmm. biofilms, especially sports related ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trailer for this just hardened my heart. Like I, I, you know, okay, fine. It's inspiring. It's great. I have nothing against them. They seem like great figures venus and serena and fantastic so i watched it a little bit you know with my guard up and it felt like homework and it it was only half an hour till i was completely absorbed and Mm -hmm. i was into it and it's great uh i don't like like movies are are damned if they do or they don't with me because if if it leans into the feel good and everything goes the way it looks like it's going to go and you already know what's going to happen well then what fun is that but if it tries to manipulate you and trick you and whatever then i feel like oh come on like so uh, ultimately the winning 
spirit of these characters as they're portrayed who knows how mm -hmm, i would feel right. if i could go back you know and that's one of the th interesting things to me this film will smith's portrayal of this character the winning girls and uh on Janu ellis like they all i was in love with them like i was supposed to be i wanted them to succeed i wanted the obvious things that i knew were going to happen to happen i got into the matches i couldn't believe you know how are they filming these matches the way they right. happened i assume they are or to some degree because some of it comes down to a, you know a move or a right. whatever so um all that said you kind of hit on this earlier but i can't help think if th this guy's plan for these daughters before they were born to be champions mm -hmm. is only inspiring because it happened <laughs> Like, cause it worked. Right. Like if it hadn't, yeah. How many people are being, you know, pushed into auditions and practices mm -hmm. and whatever, and, and have a miserable life because some got some dad or mom had a plan based on a documentary they saw or, or just dollar signs in their eyes or whatever it is. Um, so that part made me a little uneasy. Like he, this seems like a, an extraordinary guy and you read about him and he's over the top and it seems like it works. It seems like his, his, you know, his spirit ultimately works and, and the girls have it in them and it all comes together. And that's very heartwarming, but it is a weird story in that way. Yeah. I was thinking how biblical it was in a lot of ways. Like you have your someone threatening the biblical King and then out of nowhere, mm -hmm. someone else assassinates the enemy, but probably the King did it, but at mm -hmm. least now their conscience is clear. Like I felt that way at the drive-by shooting scene. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Like, oh right. what a what a convenience. <laughs> I know <It's laughs> that like... could almost been really bad, and now taken care of. And on top of that, now you have someone looking out for you and helping right. you. And I loved when they walk in with the with the coach, and you know they kind of get threatened by those guys. Oh, he's with you, and then Will Smith is like, he just white. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> right. like as if that's the obvious. Oh, he's a bad person, but no, mm -hmm. he's not bad. He's just white. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, and I, with a sinking feeling at the end, I was like, uh, cause I, of course I don't know what really happened. I know nothing about sports. I'm just like, Oh, she's going to lose this. You know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I, I'm feeling like that, like it could go either way, but I, I wanted the film to have kind of like the feel good climax. Right. And even though it didn't happen the way that I thought it still kind of had they the feel good climax yeah. in a very like Richardy sort of way. Right. 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 And proving him right on every point, you know, is there more angelic mm -hmm. being than this person? And I loved the uh, credit sequences that mm -hmm. you're seeing their real home movies and seeing how um, what an eye to those movies the creators had. Yeah. yeah. In, in like even the outfits they selected sometimes. And yeah, I don't know. Just this is a movie movie that you could sit anybody down in front of and have right. them get and enjoy if you need to play a movie at your school assembly and it just needs mm -hmm. to appeal to everyone, this is one of those go-tos. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's nothing that's going to offend anybody in it. And yes. it's inspiring and enjoyable. So, yeah, like, look at me with a sports movie. I know. Like, like liking it the best. Yeah, that's remarkable. It must be, uh, must be a special one. But, yeah, I see it. I got sucked in. I liked it. Uh, regarding those... Uh, actual footage end credits on biopics those can backfire sometimes uh -huh. i did not and ever end up seeing respect the uh mm, yeah, franklin biopic and i probably won't but uh some of the critics i read and listened to said that 
having actual footage of Aretha in the end credits really did a disservice to the mm. main performance in that film. Uh, and I think that's a story that tells itself, but, uh, yeah. And so, and there's other times where I've been like, oh, I don't want to see, uh, almost like in the, um, the Tammy Faye movie, which already felt kind of pointless, even though I enjoyed that, the experience of watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that it always does a favor to a movie to show the real people at the end. I think it was nice in this one though. Right. I have one other footnote about this movie, which is just an FYI. Did you know, kind of a thing. So I, I don't think it's. It's touched on briefly in this movie that they the Williamses are uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes, and I they they you know they give a real light touch on that in yeah. the movie. But uh, I didn't know this, but there I there's some ex Jehovah's Witness uh, activist stuff that I out of curiosity just in my own journey out of what I considered to be a kind of culty religion that I kind of got interested in and saw some parallels in, and I. I I learned from that experience that they Venus uh, in particular is a kind of a controversial figure because both of the girls get away with all kinds of things that, you know, run of the mill in the pews Jehovah's witnesses are not allowed to do. Hmm. They celebrate birthdays and holidays. They are professional women who pursue, Mm -hmm. you know, a a fame and a a major, uh, uh, career, which is just something that normal Jehovah's Witness women are, are discouraged from doing. They're discouraged mm-hmm. from even going to university. So it's something that I think Jehovah's Witnesses, the organization is willing to get the the positive attention. The people in the seats are so kind of indoctrinated that they don't have a thought, but the the ex-Jehovah's Witnesses make a big deal out of the hypocrisy because it kind of under, underlines some things. But that's just and, and the major sticking point is just that they are women with a profession. They're women with a profession who specifically also have been seen uh, in, indulging in lifestyle things that would look absolutely innocuous to everyone else, like literally sure. celebrating a birthday or saying happy birthday or Merry right. Christmas and then making money professionally in, in, in large sums. Yeah. By being a professional athlete, these are all things that are just frowned upon mm-hmm. uh, in that, you know. Yeah, I, I appreciated the little the little I mean they were it was subtle, but I felt like it gave um the mother Brandy her character some motivation. Mm-hmm. Because we wonder what what is up with the family dynamic here? How is she uh long-suffering and submissive when that doesn't appear to be entirely in her spirit? And right. I think that understanding that about her faith explains her a little bit. Yeah. It's interesting that she is, um, I think she she's a little better served in this film than in certain others, but I saw some people complaining, some critics complaining about her being such a fascinating character and only getting a few moments. Hmm. Um, it reminded me of like uh, worse, more egregious things like in uh, Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo, mm-hmm. where I even forget who the actor is, the act, the wife playing the wife, but the w- wasting a great actor on a wife character whose whole thing is, Oh, I'm on the side and, and like playing that up, having your cake and eating it too, that that's mm-hmm. like the, the dynamic of the character. But anyway, Oh, I, I liked uh, her trajectory. Yeah. It's not like Jennifer Connelly entirely, like in a beautiful that's mind. Was, yeah. Oh but no. Yeah. Wasn't I'm, she... I'm, th- I'm thinking it. I'm just thinking of like long suffering wife characters. When I think right. of them, I think of Jennifer Connelly first and right. foremost, you know, winning supporting for a lead performance really. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess, same thing with Viola Davis and Fences winning supporting for a, a leading right. performance. 
Um, this is not that case. It's truly a supporting performance. Yeah. Um, yeah and, sure. But she but she does get some airtime. I feel like she got a couple good scenes. She she got some emotion in there. Um, I I felt like they were a good team. That she was a great athlete in her own right, and mm-hmm. that she was supportive of Richard's plan. Like they they were in it together. They were both raising this family together. And it seems like an what an exceptional family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I was yeah. if that if that's anything close to reality, right. Um what, what families operate that way. And mm-hmm. yet the girls still seem to be in such good spirits. I'd I'd expect them to be all depressed and sullen. Right. And yet they as at least portrayed in the movie, they seem like they have constant joy and lift. Yeah. And, I mean, of course that's not true to reality, but that's how this movie wants right. them portrayed. It was Anne Hathaway, by the way, in Dark Waters. Um, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, forgot right. she was in that. Talk about a waste. Um, yeah, I mean, that's you would think that to have this level of success story, there would have to be a dark side. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're not going to get it from this film, except for the "We came from hard times and hard streets," you know, that kind of stuff. But you're not going to get. And again, this movie insists that he may be rough around the edges, but he's an excellent, caring father Mm -hmm. and that he pushed them. He wanted to keep them from the fate of so many uh, young celebrities and stars and seemed successfully to do so. Who knows if the religion played a role in that or if it was his planning or if they're just exceptional human beings, uh, you know, and it seems like all those things potentially. But again, that's the movie's that's the movie's story. So there's no way for us to really access the reality of it yeah that was another thing i don't know why i was finding like all this like little spiritual truths <laughs> in this movie but i was feeling like how often like are we given like these cookie cutter paths and the only way to get what you want is this one way and mm-hmm. so everybody puts themselves through hell to do it that one way um and to see someone have success by you know something their nose at it is is really liberating and encouraging and i liked it yeah yeah i guess the the party poop other side of that would be well it seemed like he just held out for a little while and then eventually gave in and they did it the normal way anyway but the values are clear like right they weren't going to compromise they were going to do even if they were going to do normal things it was or not normal things but do the take the path it was going to be on their terms right uh and that's admirable in uh concept anyway right i think it's just maybe i'm self-revealing that i feel like a lot of my <laughs> life i'm just like begging to get to the bar you know the mm-hmm. the low the lowest thing and grabbing whatever i can i have a real scarcity mindset mm-hmm. just thinking like oh there's more yeah. if you if you hold out for it yeah yeah uh well this movie won me over as it uh, should yeah it's good so wow it's November and we just saw two or three of our, uh, two or three of my favorite movies of the mm-hmm. year. Yeah. So that's, um, is, uh, does, that, does that usually happen at the end of the year? I, feel I like think that that happens. is the usual. I think last year it got, um, protracted because of the mm-hmm. pandemic that they were yeah. allowing releases into January and February and the studios took advantage, right. but this year it's a normal calendar. So they got to get them in. Oh, and another, like, had I realized I would have scheduled tick, tick boom for us. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, I, that's one I'm not excited about mm-hmm. or wasn't excited. Yeah, I wasn't excited about it at all. But the reviews are just now so stellar, especially mm-hmm. f- from musical theater people that I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And um, being the Ricardos, boy, everyone had been making fun of that. And now it's the toast of the town. Mm-hmm. 
that's so i'm looking forward to that wow all right my uh by the way i'm just looking a, a year ago right now we had seen uh borat subsequent movie film trial mm-hmm. of the chicago seven uh the lie bad hair run bad hair lovers rock interesting mank yeah okay let them all talk i like to let them all talk okay um yeah, so this week my two I have two tickets so far for this week, and they are probably three if, if the family ends up going to Encanto. Um oh, okay. for more man Lynn Manuel uh Disney songs. Um but I have Come On Come On on Wednesday and I have House of Gucci on Thursday. Oh, okay. Which I'm weirdly perversely kind of excited about just for the cast and I don't know. It's like a big sleazy crime movie. It seems like something I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, like in a while. that's gone the other direction that that had so much hype and the reviews that I've seen dropping of it are super mixed mm-hmm. to the super yeah. disappointing point too. Of yeah, being I've like heard not even good in a bad way. It doesn't earn its cast that there's yeah. it's fun to watch the people be awful and do their thing but that it doesn't the movie doesn't add up to much but Yeah, I to- I'll totally see it though. Yeah. Uh, and come on, come on, I don't know much about it, except that it's an indie, darling, black and white uh, Joaquin Phoenix film oh. about him and a child. So that's going to press my buttons. I mean, probably. that's you're going to be more specific with that. I feel like <laughs> yeah. how many things are Joaquin Phoenix and a child? That's true. Um, oh, yeah. So watch watch Tick, Tick, Boom. It's Netflix. Okay. Easy. Is it four and a half hours? I don't think so. I feel like most of their movies are long. Okay. I will check it out. Yeah, I mean, you know it, right? What it is? Yeah, like, it's the dude who wrote Rent. Yeah, yeah, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I hated that. That's musical. the sum of I hate. I, I hate that musical. Yeah, I think I know that about you. That you're not a Rent guy. No, I like Rent. I hate Tick Tick Boom. Oh, you hate? Okay. You hate no, the I movie was... you're asking me to see. <laughs> oh. Right, that's the thing. Yeah. So Rent Rent is a very special thing in okay. my mind because that was like mm-hmm. a window to a world that I wanted to be mine, like without the poverty and mm-hmm. dying of disease. Right. But then tick tick boom! Oh, the Lost Larson musical, right? Let's let's have a production of it. Let's buy the. Oh, CD. I see. That's the name of another show. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And this is that show, or it's a right. So it's kind of like after his death, I this see. was a musical he had written and was discovered that mm-hmm. was part of his creative process toward what not what became Rent, mm-hmm. but when he was, I think, feeling a little stuck or trying to get focused, he wrote this musical gotcha. about his own life. And yeah. so then, of course, after Rent, oh, we need to see what he had. And I was just not taken with it at all. But apparently Lin-Manuel, you know, who himself kind of understands, I think, that Larson vibe of getting your musical made and that passion of the art. Um, Lin-Manuel is directing it. And apparently he really latches on to something incredible and moving hmm. about. And I imagine that Andrew Garfield is mm-hmm. a fantastic cast. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Cool. I will check it out. Uh, Until such a time as we can meet again and discuss these things, I wish you a happy holiday week and all that stuff. Happy thanks, G. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's our podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Jonah. Uh, I'll see everybody (laughs) later. Bye.